This is all going to have to be cut, damn it. Damn it. Well, let's just restart. <laughs> I'll just restart. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of 4.30 in the morning. This is your boy, Ben. And Pat is back as well. Good to be back. Yes. Episode number 50. 50. The big 5-0. 5-0. Half a century worth of episodes. It's insane. I can't believe we've made it this far. I can believe it. I'm proud of us. I'm very proud of our dedication. Me too. Anyways, episode number 50. This is a big episode. Big episode. Any uh, football players you got for number 50? Ryan Shazier. Ryan Shazier, former Ohio State Buckeye. Yep. Pittsburgh Steeler. I feel bad for him. Me too, man. You know, he was a good player. He, he was having an incredible career. Yeah. And then that, that happened. Uh, it's terrible. Yeah. It it sucks. Nothing of, you can really say. You know, I feel like a lot of players wore the number 50. No? I don't have any. I don't have any Browns. I'm trying to think. I don't have any Browns. I got a couple for a number 51, but number 50. Maybe not. Who am I thinking of? 50 is a weird number. It is. Like I couldn't have. I wouldn't have been able to tell you that Ryan Shazier wore number 50 because 50 is linebackers. Well, you know it isn't anymore because of the new, the new. Remember the whole new number rule thing where they they changed up what yeah. defensive players can wear. Yeah. 50 used to be linebackers, defensive linemen, and a center could theoretically wear the number 50. I don't know if I like that new rule. I don't like the rule I, at all. I honestly don't like I it. I don't like it at all. Because it, it, you, you, you can tell certain positions by the number. It honestly kind of helped. Like Anthony Walker, for example, for the Browns, is the middle linebacker. Now, he's been on the IR for most of the season, but he's the, he's the Mike. He is wearing number four. <laughs> like, <laughs> right. really? Like Melvin Ingram is wearing number eight. I don't like that at all. <laughs> I, I, I and you know, Tom Brady like complained it. about that, and everybody's like, "Oh, you're an old man. You don't you don't know what's going on. We want our we want our numbers." But it really, no, I get it though. Like, I get it. Now they have to pay. They have to pay a lot of money to get a new number. Really? They have to pay like a hundred thousand dollars to get like a single digit number or something. Jesus. Because single digits used to be quarterbacks, kickers, and punters. So it's the only people that could wear the number, a single digit number. Yeah. Which that made it easy. Yeah. Running I, backs I, I wear twenties and thirties. Yeah. Safeties wear thirties and forties. Defensive backs wear or uh, corners can wear twenties. Yeah. But it made it easy to figure out who was who. Who was who? What position was what? You know, like, yada yada I, yada. Like I liked I liked it the old way. Anyways. So, Pat, do you have any news stories? My first news story, this one is dumb as fuck. And this one I had ready to go last week. I decided against putting it in, but I'm going to put it in this week. It's still a relatively recent news story. It's a relatively fresh one. And this one comes from ABC News. Okay. El Salvador president changes Twitter profile to dictator. (laughs) So, do you know anything about El Salvador? Not a whole lot. I don't know a whole lot about El Salvador either. But we've talked about it before on the show. We talked about it on... Remember when I broke down into Olympic countries and how South Korea was putting different symbols up on the screen? Yeah. Well, they put up Bitcoin when El Salvador got talked about. And it's all because of this guy. Nayib Bukele is the president of El Salvador. Okay. He is a 40-year-old, kind of an innovative leader in terms of he wants to make El Salvador's economy really strong. Mm Mm-hmm. El Salvador isn't exactly an economic powerhouse right now, and they've been kind of bogged down by establishment politicians basically are filling office seats, basically, without actually doing anything. Sure. This guy is trying to do something. He got elected based on, hey, I'm going to try to do something with the economy, try to turn what we have into something that matters, basically, is how he ran for office. But he's not popular with certain demographics, most on a certain political side, mm-hmm. because he comes off as a little bit authoritarian, and he doesn't he doesn't really mesh well with the social liberal establishment that seems to be taking over the entire world right now. 
Sure. And they were running protests about him because they're saying that he's basically too authoritarian. Where there really isn't <laughs> any evidence for that, but he's like, hey, we need to go to work. We need to do something. We need to simulate our economy somehow. And he's trying to come up with different ideas to do that. Mm-hmm. But people are protesting that because, number one, he's against the complete establishment of the country. He got elected based on populism is what they're saying. Mm-hmm. And they did, like, protests about him like being, like, some authoritarian, authoritative strongman. And he decided to respond to that by changing his his profile on Twitter <laughs> to dictator. That's hilarious. So think, think about that for a second. Like, he's trolling them back pretty yeah, hard. Yeah, that's hilarious. And, like, the, like, the establishment media, like, had a brain aneurysm over this. Or, like, I'm sure they did. This guy is so immature, yada, yada, yada. Can anyone, just, anyone have a sense of humor? Nobody has a sense of humor, but he's actually trying to do something yeah he's actually like el salvador nobody cares about el salvador right now and what you do with a country like that you try to take what resources you have and create economic opportunity for the people right and he's trying to do that now we're probably gonna get criticized for even saying that sure but get, give a little grace here when it comes to a country that doesn't have any jobs sure or yeah. nothing or they're not taking advantage of anything that they have why not give the people an opportunity you know what i mean yeah. So that's what this guy claims he's doing. And he, he's young and he's brash and he's kind of obnoxious, but he's on the wrong side of the political spectrum. Hmm. It's just it's just how it how it kind of shake, shook down for him. Right. And <laughs> he decided to change his profile to dictator. <laughs> that's funny. And obviously he's not a dictator because there's no there's no room for a dictator to really rise up in El Salvador politics. Mm-hmm. But he claimed in a tweet that demonstrators took to the streets to fight a dictatorship that doesn't exist. <laughs> and then afterwards is when he decided to change his profile. That's funny. The guy's got a sense of humor. I mean, he's got a sense of humor, and at least he's trying. He's trying to do something different. Yeah. And it's to be honest, it doesn't matter what angle of the political spectrum you come from. When the establishment keeps getting elected but doesn't do anything for so long, you have to try something different. Good you, for him. You know what I mean? Good for him. So Naib Bukele, dictator of El Salvador. <laughs> I don't know. I, I kind of feel bad for him because what yeah, are you going to do? When I he mean, got elected, it's not like he staged a coup. Right. He won the election. He, he won. He's in there for a reason. Right. Let him do his job. Anyways, that's all I got for that one. Yeah. That's the dumbest news story ever. Give the guy a chance. Anyways, what do you got? So this one is from Blaze News. This is the headline. Drunk man spends hours with search party looking for missing person when he was the missing person. I got that one, too. Oh, do you? <laughs> yeah, I do. Damn it. <laughs> a drunken Turkish man reportedly found himself in the woods after assisting in an hours-long search party for himself. According to a Wednesday report from the Daily Mail, 50-year-old Behan Mutlu, a Turkey resident living in the northwestern Bursa province, Engol district, was reportedly drinking with a group of friends earlier this month when he wandered off alone into the forest of Kayaka. Yep. His friends, according to the outlet, became concerned when they weren't when they couldn't locate him after several hours and along with Mutlu's wife reported their loved one missing. Search party was almost immediately formed and the group began scouring the area for the missing man. Meanwhile, during his wanderings, Mutlu was said to have eventually stumbled upon a search party that was combing through the trees for a missing person. Local reports m- noted that Mutlu was inspired to join the search party and began taking on a valiant effort to track down the missing person despite his reported intoxication. <laughs> Dude, 
That's so funny. You know, I had this exact news story. Now, I got mine from UPI Odd News, which was our favorite. Yeah, I saw I saw it on there as well. If we've ever done a news story where this is something that Tim would do, <laughs> this is the news story. That's so funny. And I just, I can't, I can I can honestly see this because this just seems like something that Timothy would do. I can see it. Because Tim doesn't really ask questions when they, like, if something's going on, Tim usually just kind of just, like, goes with it. Right. Without ever asking questions like, who are you <laughs> looking for? Right. That's funny. Yeah, I can see Tim doing that. Yeah, I can see. Uh, this seems like the kind of thing that Tim would do. And Tim also doesn't, like, let people know, like, what's going on. It's just like, oh, I'm over here now. Or, oh, I'm just going to go home without really <laughs> telling anybody. You know what I mean? Right. He just kind of, he, he marches to the beat of his own drummer. <laughs> Anyways. That's funny. Uh, do you have any more news? Yeah. I'll tell you what. You want to do your next one? Because sure. my final one is going to tie into our main topic a little bit. So, this news story is from UPI on news. Our favorite. Definitely. <laughs> Headline says, House heavily damaged in Massachusetts fire listed for $399,000. You know, I saw this one and... I almost didn't do it, but it's kind of funny. Okay, I want, I want to listen to this. A Massachusetts home was severely damaged in a recent fire has put up on the market as is with the asking price of $399,000. The home on Berkeley Street in Melrose was completely burned and the windows were blown out during an August fire and the house, which was not, which has not undergone any repairs since the blaze, is being listed online for $399,000. The house is in need of complete renovation or potential teardown and rebuild. Buyer to do due diligence. House is being sold as is, the listing states. So, this guy puts his house up to sale. It burns down and and he's just not even going to change the price on it. You know, I've got a few reasons as to why this might work out. Now, I'm assuming this has to be in a reasonably good neighborhood. It has to be in a highly desirable place. Yeah, I mean, I guess the land might even be worth that much. Um, That's the only situation where I could see where this would actually work. Because if it is in a place where people might want to build a new house... This type of situation could work. Yeah, let's see here. The, the listing is being cited as, as an example of the skyrocketing property prices in Massachusetts. The Warren Group listed the medium sale price for single-family homes in the state at 535000 for the month of August, and Massachusetts Association of Realtors said the median price was 552000 in September. I'd be surprised if he was able to sell it for that much. Well... I mean, if you if you tear it down, then put a reasonable price on the dirt. But I, I don't know. I honestly, it depends on where the location is because a lot of people will buy up a property as long as you can build there. Right. So it just seems like we don't have enough information on the house itself. Yeah. What, what's, what's the like? We the don't know what the situation is. Right. Now, if it were the Amityville house or the Conjuring house, I would pay that. Yeah, I'd figure out sure. a way to get that right now. For sure. But like, do you imagine like scrolling online? <laughs> They're seeing all these nice pictures of these houses, and then you just come up to this destroyed one. <laughs> could, could, you, could you imagine like like a couple like doing this, and it was like the husband's like, "Hey, I found the spot for us. It's only three hundred ninety nine thousand yeah. dollars." And then say, like, "Oh, great, honey, let's go drive up." And they drive up, and it just like <laughs> it's on fire. It's a little bit of it's a little bit of fixer upper. My word. Anyways. That's funny. You done with that one? Yep, I'll say it. Okay, my last one is from the independent.co.uk. We like that one. Yeah, we've used this one before. James Webb Telescope will unlock secrets of a star system that could help us find alien life. Mm. 
Scientists are focused on an M dwarf star in order to understand if its terrestrial worlds can replenish their atmospheres. Have you ever heard of the James Webb telescope before? I don't know. I don't it is think a so. brand new telescope. It brand new? It hasn't launched yet. Huh. It is sitting in the United States somewhere, I think in Baltimore, hmm. and they're getting ready to launch it. They're going to launch it in December of 2021. Now, this telescope is the greatest thing of all time, supposedly. I've been hearing about it for years. The first time I heard about this telescope was from my uncle, who heard about it from his Uber driver. And his Uber driver claimed to be some, like, astrophysicist or something. And he claimed to have a lot of knowledge about, like, the space program and what they were trying to do. Sure. And he was telling my uncle about this this James Webb telescope that was supposed to launch. And back then, it was supposed to launch in 2018, and it kept getting delayed and delayed and delayed. And he was like, this Webb telescope is going to, like, redefine everything we know about humanity and space and everything because it's so powerful. And it's going to absolutely reveal the fact that I already know that aliens exist and yada, yada, yada and all this shit. <laughs> and this is my uncle's Uber driver. So this is a pretty credible source. Yeah, sure. Now, I was thinking about it too because Uber drivers, have you ever gotten in an Uber where it's like an old guy? Yeah. Usually they're old guys. Yeah, they, like, they're, just, feels they're, like, they're just doing something to, to, just to do something. And to me, that seemed like a retirement job where it's a hobby. It's a hobby for a lot of these yeah. people because driving is fun. I'm not going to lie. I love driving around. Sure. And could you imagine driving around with a captive audience? Right. That is the dream for a lot of people. <laughs> where you have this guy in the car for 20 minutes, you can just say whatever you want, and they're kind of stuck there listening to you. Right. That is the dream for a lot of old guys. It just is. Yeah, I can so see it. So maybe this guy that my uncle had is an Uber driver actually is a fucking astrophysicist or whatever. I'd believe him. Anyways, so my uncle was telling me about this this fucking web telescope and he was like, this is gonna be the this is a game changer if they can get it up there in time. And obviously it's been delayed a whole lot. But they're getting ready to launch it, and they're going to launch it in December of 2021, this year, two months. I hope they do it. We're getting ready. It's going to happen. So, with a telescope like this, now this is a infrared telescope, which is a new type of telescope that they're putting up in space. It's going to detect a different level of wavelength. Like, you know what wavelength is? Like, you know how we see the visible spectrum, but you have ultraviolet, and then Mm -hmm. you have infrared. It's going to be detecting an infrared. But they think it's going to give us a better picture of what is going on in space. Hmm. Now, the Hubble telescope is kind of like the the standard right now. Right. That is visible spectrum and ultraviolet. So if you look at some of these crazy images that you see from the Hubble telescope, you're looking at mostly ultraviolet enhanced images. Sure. The visible spectrum will show you one thing, but the ultraviolet will be like, wow, there's a whole lot more going on in this picture. The Webb telescope is infrared, but it's also 100 times more strong than the Hubble telescope. Mm-hmm. So this is pretty cool. It's pretty crazy. It's pretty crazy. Now, when this thing gets up there, if it gets up there, now I personally am anticipating a big problem. I'm anticipating them launching it and it's just like not working. Supposedly, it's going to reveal an awful lot. In the case of this news article, they think they're going to be able to look at a star and the star in question is going to be called L9859, which is an M dwarf class star that is 35 light years from Earth. Hmm. They think that they can zoom in on it, basically. And they, they know that there are planets that orbit the star. They think they're going to be able to tell if it has an atmosphere or not, these planets. Damn. Which is incredible because it's 35 light years away. They think that this telescope is going to be strong enough to tell us if there's an atmosphere or not. Do you know what exoplanets are? Exoplanets are... St- Planets orbiting stars that are not the sun. So, like, let's say, for example, Betelgeuse. You know what Betelgeuse is? Hmm. It's a star. Okay. It's up there. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, if 
Beetlejuice has like a dip in luminosity. They're able to like measure that and determine if it's a planet or not somehow via measurements and science and all that shit. Hmm. And they're able to diagnose like what stars have planets like orbiting around it. And they've got like thousands of these that have been discovered since then. But it's all based on like literally like if you look at like the light, like imagine like a little like a pinprick going across the light. Mm-hmm. That is how they figure out all this shit. And they, they're able to measure it somehow. It's called the transit method. Hmm. And if they don't do it that way, they do it based on they can measure the gravity. Like they can figure out like if a star wobbles a little bit when they're observing it, they can figure out if it's a planet that's pulling on it to making it wobble a little bit. That's nuts. It, it's stupid. It's literally ridiculous. But they're able to figure out all this shit based on the, this little blip in the sky dimmed a little bit. I don't even know what to make. I that don't means even, I don't even. That's how it's done. That's how that's how all this all this shit is done. It's ridiculous. And there's there's a planet out there where the luminosity is like goes in like waves. And for a while, they couldn't come up with like why it would just like it would like pulsate, <laughs> pulsating or something. And they couldn't really figure out why the hell this was happening because it didn't make any sense based on every other star they've looked at. Right. And the conclusion that a lot of scientists landed on is that it had to have been an alien megastructure that was sucking the life of the sun away from <laughs> it. Wow. Anyways, this James Webb telescope, man, it's going to see shit. And it's a hundred times It's a hundred times more powerful than Hubble. And according to my uncle's Uber driver, it's going to reveal everything. I'm like, excited. This guy's like, there's no way they can put it up there. If it functions properly, there's no way it's not going to capture alien life. We'll see what they tell us. That's the other problem, too. And I don't know about a better segue into our main topic than that. Aliens. Part 7. Seven. We've done a lot of alien discussions throughout the course of this podcast. We have done six. We've done six. And today, this is number seven. And today, this is number seven. <laughs> now, going with our theme in October, this is going to be our October theme is going to be kind of a scarier shit. Sure. So we're going to be trying to talk about some of the scariest alien encounters of all time, right? Yeah. So we're going to be talking about some of the ones that are kind of creepy or weird. Now, one thing that I've noticed is a lot of people are really scared of the idea of aliens. I'm kind of numb to it at this point. Like, I don't really care. It used to really scare the shit out of me. Like, the idea of getting abducted used to scare the fuck out of me. It doesn't really nearly as much as it used to back when I was a kid. Right. But aliens are kind of a... They're kind of associated with, like, the scary element of life. The uncertain. Sure. The unknown, the unexplained, yada, yada, yada. You ever seen the movie Signs? I have not. Really? With Mel Gibson? And I haven't seen a lot of the popular ones. And Joaquin Phoenix? I haven't seen Signs. I haven't seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind. I haven't seen any of those. Wow. I haven't seen E.T. either. I've seen E.T. I haven't seen it. And I have not, I have not seen Close Encounters of the Third Kind, though. I have not seen that. Jeremy Corbell has seen it. I'm sure he 30 has. times, and he couldn't recognize the hand scanner <laughs> that he took a screenshot of. From the movie and showed Bob Lazar. <laughs> Anyways. It's so funny. So we're talking about like the scarier, the scarier sure. alien stories. Now, one thing that I have to say is that Hollywood has kind of capitalized on the idea of aliens being a scary concept. Yep. Like you look at like Independence Day, for example. That's one I've seen. Good I've movie. got the Blu-ray somewhere. The aliens are the bad guys. Like cold cut, no discussion about it. They're the bad guys in that movie. Mm-hmm. Um, alien. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the alien is is the bad guy in that movie. Right. Or the bad woman. I think it's a. I think it's a female. Ugh. It is in the movie Aliens. You ever see Aliens, the second part of that series? I don't think I've seen that. Aliens seen... is better than Alien. I've seen Predator versus Alien. It's Alien versus Predator. Alien versus Predator. Yeah, Alien versus Predator. That's one of the best movies I've ever seen. That was a good movie. But in Alien and Aliens, the Alien is always the bad guy. And Alien is one of my favorite movies. Aliens is 
also one of my favorite <laughs> movies. <laughs> Alien 3, I've watched it. I haven't seen it. It didn't do much for me. And then there's another one, Alien Resurrection. I didn't even put that Blu-ray in. <laughs> and there's a fifth one, there's Alien Covenant. Jesus. And then, you know, Prometheus. Yeah. Prometheus is also... I've seen that. Prometheus is like the precursor to that. Now, that's one I really like. I really like Prometheus. I don't remember it, but I do remember liking it. Yeah, it's a good movie. And there's there's not a whole lot to remember because there's not a whole lot that happens in the movie. (laughs) But it's really good. Yeah, it is. But there's there's a theme out there of aliens always being the bad guy. There's not a whole lot of movies where the alien is like, outside of E.T., where the alien's the good guy. There's kind of like a whatever out there, a stigma, for lack of a better word, that puts aliens in a bad light. Definitely. Now, what doesn't help any of that is like the abduction stories where bad shit happens, yada yada. So that's what we're kind of going to get into. They're curious. But there's also a lot of established scientists that come out and they're like, aliens aren't real and they're a figment of humanity's imagination because humanity secretly hates themselves, but they want to project it onto somebody else so they project it onto aliens. Yeah. There's a consensus that's out there. Definitely. And you ever see like Neil deGrasse Tyson talk? Yeah. He annoys the shit He (laughs) He has mastered the game of pandering to the establishment as an academic i'm not going to dismiss the fact that he's a very smart person sure i'm not going to dismiss his academic credentials one bit sure and you listen to him talk and he speaks in an all-knowing cadence yeah he does he speaks like this and he says nobody can possibly question me because i have all the science backing me you know what you know what i mean yeah he it's exactly how he talks And he speaks with that all-knowing cadence as if he has it all figured out. But when he does that, he doesn't tell you anything. He doesn't tell you anything. He doesn't tell you anything. He doesn't say a damn thing. And what's funny, and I brought this up earlier on the show when Baker Mayfield saw his UFO, fucking Colin Cowherd had Neil deGrasse Tyson on the Colin Cowherd show. I saw that. To talk about Baker Mayfield seeing a (laughs) UFO. And it's just like, Baker Mayfield probably did not see a UFO. How could we know this? How could we find out who is this Baker Mayfield guy? You know, that's just how he operates. Yeah. It's ridiculous. He, he annoys the shit out of me. His his Joe Rogan episodes annoy the shit out of me. And his Joe Rogan episode basically talks about how humanity created the idea of the alien because they can't cope it, with the fact that humanity is a terrible race and they do all those terrible things all the time. And honestly, Joe Rogan schools them. Like, Joe Rogan schools them. And it's like, when you listen to him talk about that type of shit, it's like... Okay, great. Humanity sucks and is terrible. And you have made your entire career based on serving the establishment that has done all these atrocities that you're complaining about. Hundred percent. How does that? How does that factor in any of it? Anyways, he serves a purpose, though. He serves a perfect purpose because ninety nine percent of people are going to listen to him talk with his cadence that sounds so intellectual and sounds like he knows what to. everybody should know, but doesn't know because they do not talk slow and weird like he does. It's almost like uh, it's almost like how people think, like how you say people think British people are smarter just because of the way they yeah, talk. Yeah, exactly. It's exactly That's the what he problem. does. <laughs> he manip- he uses that cadence, and it's like that might have been his money taken into everything. Hundred percent. It's like his brand almost. Exactly. <laughs> and then they go. <sighs> they do that all the time. And I've had uh, I've had professors speak exactly like he does, and it's like where have I heard that before? And then I realized that I've heard this in college. <laughs> So it, it is a common thing. It is a common sure. thing trying to use cadence to amplify pseudo-intellectualism, for lack of mm. a better word. 
Sure. Anyways, Aliens Part 7. Aliens Part 7. What do you got, buddy? So, my first story is from an article from the Baltimore Sun, and it's called Close Encounters of the Chilling Kind, Nightmares or Real. Basically, this woman, Leah, from a young age, she had this alien encounter with her sister, and ever since then, she re- she started having these nightmares, but they soon, she soon, she, she thought she was going crazy having these nightmares, but she, she soon figured out that these things were real. Sure. That they were actually happening. So, I'm going to get through a little background. This is from the article itself. So, Leah was sitting in a booth in a small empty room with gray walls. A monotonic voice behind her said, don't move or you might be hurt. She felt paralyzed, her clicking noises like an x-ray machine. Suddenly, she was lying on a table with a bright light shining in her eyes. She sensed people moving around her, examining her. Then she was sitting up, facing a short creature so hideous that she could not look at its face. From a box, a strange being removed a shiny needle. At the tip was a silver marble creature would move closer to uh, towards Leah and at that point she would jolt herself awake and for the longest time she either thought she was crazy or having bad dreams and after a while uh, she knew she wasn't crazy something possibly could be you know going on so it all starts when she was in the fourth grade and she was playing outside with her sister and other children at their apartment building and uh, in Prince George's County. I'm not really sure where that's at. But when it was dusk, they all heard, now all these kids all saw the same shit, and they're all witnesses to this. They heard humming and buzzing noises, and it sounded like a swarm of bees, and they saw a silver disc-like shape object with a row of lights around the edge, and it hovered over the apartment at, like, treetop level, and then it, like, hovered over the parking lot, and then it slowly drifted away. And all the kids saw this happen. Okay. And these kids were in the fourth grade. So, so it's, it's not like they were super, like, young kids. Nine or ten years old. Yeah. So it's like, if something significant like this happened to a ten-year-old, I feel like I would believe him. Sure. You know what I mean? It's not like it's a five-year-old. Yeah. You know what I mean? I think there's a difference there. Sure. I don't know. And they told their parents, and they drew, and all the kids like drew pictures and shit. Now, Leah's dad believed her and wanted to call somebody, but the mother didn't believe her at all and thought that they were lying, her and the sister. Okay. But shortly after that event, that's when the nightmares started to begin for Leah. She would have those those type of nightmares. She dreamt about that for like on and off for like an entire decade. And then something else happened to her and her sister as well. When they were like 12 or 13, she and her sister, they were staying at their grandparents' house and they were sitting in separate beds in the same room. And a ball of lightning uh, passed through a window and threw a curtain into the room about the size of a tennis ball and it glided between the beds, bounced off a door, and vanished. A couple of seconds later, another lightning ball did the same thing and then another. Leah says there might have been 20 in all. She and her sister screamed and five other people in the house didn't hear them at all screaming. Leah finally escaped into the hallway. Her next memory was waking up in bed the next morning. That's weird as hell. Those lightning balls creep the hell out of me. So she thought she was going crazy this whole time. But she was at uh, the mall one day with her friend and she saw a book called communion you know what that book is i guess it's some famous it's a famous book and the author had these alien encounters and wrote a book about it i feel like i've heard it but yeah well she saw it and the the picture on the front on the book were the they were the exact creatures that she saw like in her dreams sure and whatnot that's ridiculous yeah so she was like holy shit maybe this author and other or other people are having the same shit happen to them yeah Anyways, the article is super long and it gets into this. She like 
there's like these organizations out there that basically provide like a safe place for people who have been abducted will go and like talk about their story and like you know just kind of like a safe place without being ridiculed and you know shit on by people who don't believe you sure anyways she gets hooked up with this guy that does hypnosis okay and cause, because one of her one of the you know the the ufo guys that were a part of that organization or whatever suggested maybe hypnosis so she can remember more of what happened during the missing time because missing time pops up and pops up in almost every, every story yeah so Leah went under hypnosis to better recall her experiences. Strange things continued to happen to her. But when she was visiting her friends in West Virginia, in the West Virginia mountains, she was floated out of her house, taken aboard a spaceship, and handed a baby. It was a boy with leathery skin, a thin neck, and oversized head with patches of red hair. Had huge eyes. And she said they weren't coal black like those adult aliens, but they were blue. Uh-oh. Yeah, she said it was really weird. She felt like she was its mother, and she would, like, cradle it and rock it and shit. That pops up in a and, lot of different stories yeah. though. And that, that's basically like the gist of her stories, but she she doesn't know why this is happening. This shit happens, but she 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 really believes that it's real. Like how do you I don't know. I don't know why people would make this shit up. I can't figure it out. The only reason I can figure it out is maybe the profit motive. Sure. But there are lots of ways to write a book and fabricate a story about anything. Sure. It, it happens. It does happen. Hoaxes happen every sure. day for everything. But there's a lot of them out there. And I guess the weird similarities are the thing that kind of get me. Yeah. And there's a lot of consistencies if you really track the stories. Now, obviously, I would say that Maybe 20 to 30% of them are hoaxes. So we've talked about a lot of different stories. Probably one or two of the ones that we've discussed that we feel are good are probably hoaxes. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of them out there. And there's been a lot of them out there before. Like even, you can you can go back hundreds of years and still find similar stories. Right. Did you have a date on that one? I can't remember what the date was. Cause I, I read the similar article. I feel like it was in the 90s. It might have been the 90s. I can't remember, honestly. Okay. Anyways, are you you're done with that one? Yeah, go ahead. I botched a lot of that, but... Wow. <laughs> it's not going to be anything compared to what I'm about to do. <laughs> <laughs> My first one is the Kelly Cahill abduction. And this one happened in August of 1993 in Gippsland, Australia. Do you have that one too? Mm-mm. Now, this one doesn't get talked about as much. This one I had a harder time finding. I had to go through some ulterior means to actually track down the story. Mm. Because I, I did see that one that you talked about. I didn't read it all the way. but I, I it, was, it was really long. It was very long. And I, I didn't read the whole I'm thing. And I'm like, I'm not getting into the, all this. <laughs> now, this one doesn't get talked about as much. I was able to find a couple of YouTube videos after I had procured the name out of some of my databases. I was able to watch a couple of YouTube videos with this woman speaking, but not a whole lot. There was only like two YouTube videos I could even find that had her. There was one with her talking. There was one talking about her talking. Mm. And this one is very well regarded because this is a woman that didn't seem to have much of a motive to fabricate anything. Didn't really do much with the story after she reported it. She did publish a book, but it didn't really generate a whole lot of money for her. Hmm. And this one is corroborated by independent witnesses that also came forward separately that she didn't know about. So basically in August of 1993, she was in Gippsland, Australia, 
27-year-old Kelly Cahill and her husband and three children were driving home after a visit to a friend's house. And she basically saw this, this like, thing, like, hovering in the distance. It was, like, a, a typical UFO. It looked like a saucer. She was, like, it had, like, six, like, orange windows. And she claimed that she could see, like, aliens or figures, basically people is what she said, like, in the windows as they got closer to it. Hmm. And I'm not going to get into the whole story. I'm going to kind of skim through it. But basically, they were kind of seeing this thing. And she remembers seeing this thing. And then she remembers being back in the car with a whole lot of missing time. And like, what the fuck just happened, basically? You know what I mean? Sure. And what she remembered through hypnosis was they pulled off to the side of the road. Her and her husband got out of the car. Her her then husband, who I guess they got divorced after this. Mm. But they got out of the car and they were looking at the... Basically a spaceship landing and then like one figure popped up and then a few more and then a lot more. And at one point she said that the, she used the term heaps of them no shit. were appearing. And in her hypnosis memory, she remembered a second car stopping and other people like watching the same thing. But this was all through hypnosis. This wasn't part of her like original story where she said, oh, there was another car in the area. Right. It all came out later. Basically, she said that, like, aliens were, like, coming to them, and, like, through telepathy, they were discussing whether or not they were going to eat the humans. Oh, boy. And it sounded very ominous and scary and dangerous. She was like... They're gonna yeah. they're gonna do something to us. They're gonna eat us. When she got home, she realized above her belly button there was like a scar or something, like a fresh That's cut crazy. or something, like a triangular shape, mm-hmm. basically. Because she didn't really know what to make of it. Eventually, she reported it to like authorities, and she was like, "Hey, you know, I saw those thing. Missed a whole lot of time. I have like an hour that I can't remember through hypnosis. She remembered all of this shit. And then they got to a second report from the other car that she claimed that she remembered through her hypnosis. They came forward and they were like, the same thing happened. And there were two women and a man that were present. And the women both had a similar scar. Damn. And the, like the one woman had like like a like a three like a like a puncture wound in her arm or something or in her thigh. So it was somewhere. It was one on one of her limbs. Mm-hmm. But you had two different cars coming forward and reporting the same story. The one woman didn't realize the second car was there until she got hypnotized and remembered it through hypnosis. And I've seen videos of her talking. And you can't judge if somebody's lying or if they're not lying, but she seemed pretty convincing when she was talking about the whole thing. Sure. Kelly did. And it gets kind of brushed aside because it's very, very, very tough to debunk this one. It's very tough to find a motive for her to fabricate the whole thing. It's very tough to... And get the other person on board. And to get, well, two other women and another guy on board. Yeah. That's not... It's a really weird story. And I just just skimmed through that one, but... That's a good one. That's funny you bring up the belly button because my next story has something to do with the belly button. So have you ever heard of the alleyway abduction of Carol and Helen Thomas? Can't say that I have. So Carol and Helen were their mother and daughter, and I can't remember which one is the mother and which one is the daughter, but I think we're going to find out later. Okay. (laughs) They were walking to work. They worked at the same mill together, and they take the same route every single day, and that included walking through some alleyways. So while they were walking through one, they hear a strange and persistent humming noise, and that is a common thing as well. Definitely. Humming and buzzing noises and shit. Uh, So a a ball of light uh, appeared above their heads, and as it got closer, they got dizzy, they got... And they got nauseous. Next thing they know, they were walking on the alleyway again. Just like that. So, dizzy, nauseous, and you're back at it. And 
you're right back at it. Okay. But a couple things were different. Helen's leather jacket was soaking wet, even though the path and the weather out that day was completely dry. And they finally make it to work. The security guard said they were very late, and they they both couldn't account for several hours. Just her jacket was wet? Yes. That's weird. Really weird. In the coming weeks, both experienced random blistering to their face and arms and random nosebleeds and had strange discharge coming out of their nose. So they're having weird shit happen to their bodies for no reason. Okay. So a UFO researcher by the name of Tony Dodd suggested they go under hypnosis try and remember uh, more about the possible abduction. And now Carol recalls the light swallowing them and found themselves in a white room laying on top of a table. She described the creatures of not being very tall, but with large head and large eyes. Their skin was off-white and their skin looked wet and wrinkled. Their touch had a cold feel to it, and when they pressed their hands on Carol's body, they pressed in a particular way on her navel before pushing a glass tube into her belly button. She couldn't feel any pain, although, for reasons she didn't understand, she knew they had taken their her eggs from her. Following this intense ex- examination, one of the strange creatures showed her to a large screen on the wall. Strange symbols appeared on it, along with footage of war and conflict. Perhaps the strangest of her memories was a taller being than the rest. Now, tell me if you remember something, Pat. This being was male with long blonde hair and blue eyes. He had, he adorned a silver suit and Carol could recall seeing a distinctive badge or emblem on it. So in a past alien episode, there, I think it was uh, alien abduction episode. Part three, I think. There was a story of a woman, not a woman, but I, I don't remember who it was that got abducted. But the aliens were like good looking and blonde. I think that was a Travis and Walton story. Was that Travis Walton? I think so. Yeah, it was okay. It was, yeah. Travis Walton. He saw these blonde haired, good looking aliens. The Nordics. The Nordics, is that what they are? And my Alien Races book that I talk about in the Aliens Part Five also talks about these guys. <laughs> so that's insane. Yep. So that's basically all that. But I guess the that, thing that, that's crazy. The thing that kills me is we just described two stories that, honest to God, were pretty similar. Right. You know, the lost time, the hypnosis, the belly button abduction. And when you get into this, more of the story that I talked about, is she talks about being on the examination table and having them poke and prod mm-hmm. at her belly button, basically. All of the stories have the same weird-ass little things going on. Maybe why? The, maybe that's why there's alien-human hybrids. Walking the and earth. we've talked about that on the aliens part because six. they're taking our eggs. They're taking these women's eggs. But they're taking stuff from the guys too. And they have to be. Yeah, they have to be. It is really weird. And could it be a collective hoax? Sure. Could it be? So this is from the eighties. This was like the mid to late eighties. Yeah. Now the seventies and eighties and into the nineties was kind of the heyday for this type of story being reported. And like I said, I'm positive that we've probably talked about one or two that have been. Absolute, actually a hoax that it was just sold really well. But there's a lot of these stories out there. And there's a lot that don't get talked about. Like, that's, obviously, that's a scary-ass story. Yeah, like, do you imagine? But there's so much of them out there, and there really isn't, like, a clear explanation for any of these. Like, I feel like if if I were to type in this woman's name, I feel like it would be, like, there would be, like, a debunked story immediately popping up. Right. But there's nothing. There's nothing, and then you have to dig really far, and then you start to find old articles about what might have happened. It makes me wonder. 
Like, all these stories are the same. They're all the same. It's crazy. And in my favorite book, The Alien Agenda by Jim Mars, there's just pages of this shit. There's this page of these stories. There's a lot of abduction stories. There's a lot. This was written in 1997. This is a fucking full-ass book of all this nonsense. And none of this can be debunked. Like, there's nothing in this book that I've found that has been debunked today. And this was published 24 years ago. Right. You can't get rid of it. It's still there. You can't debunk it. Now, my next one is a really weird topic. Are you ready? Go ahead. We haven't talked about this one yet in terms of aliens or in terms of anything on the show as far as I can remember. Cattle mutilation. Have you ever gotten into this topic at all? No, but isn't that what happens on that Skinwalker Ranch? It happens on Skinwalker Ranch a lot. But it happens elsewhere across the United States, and it's been happening for hundreds of years. Basically, cattle mutilation is a situation where a rancher goes out to take care of his cattle, his flock. What what is a group of cattle called? A herd? Yeah, I guess you a herd. A herd. Yeah. He goes out and he finds dead bodies among his head of cattle. And when the guy goes to investigate, or I guess I guess a rancher doesn't have to be a guy. It could be a woman. Sure. When the rancher goes out to investigate, they find that the cattle is dead, but in a circumstance that doesn't really make any sense. Yep. Because usually cows don't just drop dead, usually. And when they investigate the cattle mutilation, they find that, number one, the corpse is usually bloodless meaning there's no visible blood anywhere. And when you look at the body, there's no blood coming out of it. Right. Number two, cuts are made to the cattle, but usually it's like very specific like incisions to remove organs or different parts of the cattle, like the tongue gets taken out a lot. The reproductive system is taken out a lot. Hmm. Sometimes eyes, sometimes different organs, yada, yada, yada. But it all looks highly surgical and highly specific and precise. So they're like, well, a dead cow isn't worth anything because a dead cow really isn't worth a whole lot. I just lost my livestock. Yeah. And then ranchers would get upset because somebody came out and it's a crime. Like you can't go out and kill somebody else's livestock. That's just something you can't do. Right. But when it comes to like a, like if a coyote or a wolf broke into the whatever, usually there's more evidence leaning towards it was an animal attack that killed the cattle, which you can't really do anything about. Or if some asshole just out there trolling you with a machete, you usually can figure out pretty quickly, yeah, this was some guy just being a complete asshole. Right. But these cat emulations kept popping up. Crazy. And why? Now, in the 1970s, this became like a really big deal. And like U.S. senators launched an investigation and the FBI launched an investigation and the whole thing. Because like in Colorado, there were like 200 reports the one year. Right. Of cat mutilation. And it's, it's a lot. Like, a lot of life. What stuff. the hell is going on? And then, like, science, is, science doesn't have an answer for this. And it doesn't get talked about a whole lot. And the reason why it doesn't get talked about a whole lot is because there is not a clear-cut answer as to why the fuck this type of shit keeps happening. Right. So then, I was doing some research in my book. So in the late 1970s, U.S. Senator Harrison Schmidt of New Mexico uh, was able to kind of, like, rally up, like, a conference about cattle mutilation because he had been having enough problems with his constituents where he was like, we need to do something about this. Now, this Harrison Schmidt guy was the last United States astronaut to walk on the moon. Think about that for a second. Hmm. And this guy was like, this cattle mutilation thing is a problem. (laughs) We got to do something about it. So he rallied up what was the first and the last conference on cattle mutilations in Albuquerque, New Mexico. And basically they were like, well, there's a lot of patterns going on with this and we can't figure it out, yada, yada, yada. What's ridiculous is the conclusion. Now, this guy didn't come to this conclusion, but the establishment's conclusion to the cattle mutilations for a very long time. And this 
concept exists even today is that it's satanic ritualistic groups doing <laughs> oh my it. God. And this came from two different prisoners who were in prison. They were like cellmates together. They had they got a hold of a newspaper and concocted this this uh this story yeah. about how they were part of the satanic cult. They're part of the satanic cult that did all this bullshit. Yeah. Yada 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 and how Everything that they're doing with the cows is part of like some like ritualistic whatever, mm-hmm. and the establishment took that story, unbelievable, <laughs> and they just went with it. They just went with it, and that was the explanation. And nobody was like, "It's so funny." Well, this is going on, and they had reports in twenty two states, and nobody was like, "How the hell is this satanic cult that we haven't heard of before behind all <laughs> all of this?" Dude. And how hasn't anybody outside of these two assholes who happen to be in prison? How are they the only guys that are talking about it? Dude, this this will probably be a cut, but this reminds me of how stupid the media is. Did, 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 did you read that story about the horses at the border? Oh, the whip? Yeah. It's, oh. it's, not, a, it's not a whip. It's the reins it's of the, the reins horse. It's the reins of the horse. You use it to steer the horse. And the photographer who took the picture said that, no, they weren't whipping anybody. But the media and the establishment... And the administration, all of them, just continued to ram down the story that the Border Patrol agents were whipping Asian migrants. And they just ran with it. They just continued to run with it. Unbelievable. So funny. So it's it's funny that the establishment would just run with what those two dudes said. Because they still do it today. Well, just like that other guy. was. What was the guy's name? Uh, Daniel Funk, I think was his name. Who was a fact checker for the USA Today. and. Yeah. He ran a story of, and it was, he tweeted it out as fact check. Biden didn't check his watch during the. Oh yeah, you're you're giving yourself a position of authority. Yes, as a fact checker, which that should not be a real thing. Exactly, because obviously anybody can make up whatever anything that they want. Right. So people backlash on him hard. They're like, "How the fuck can you be a fact checker?" If you're not actually doing any, literally everybody there witnessed and said that he literally checked his watch. How are you going to say that these witnesses are lying? Exactly. The parents of these dead soldiers are lying. So he ran like a, like a redaction where it was like incorrect to, and he redacted it to missing context. That's see, that's what they do when, so then, when they when they know that they're wrong, but they just don't like it. They they put missing context. So then he sent out a new tweet, and he was like, "Behind every Twitter account, and every fact check is a reporter doing his best and a, a person trying really hard to do his job." Oh my! And it's God. like you do not get a position of authority at all. You right. don't get any authority whatsoever. If you're gonna call yourself a fact checker, you fuck up once, you're out. You're done. You don't get to give yourself that type of authority and call yourself a fact checker, which is saying that you are smarter than everybody else out there. You don't get to do that and fuck up. You just don't. 100%. Anyways, cattle mutilation. There's no explanation. There is none. There is and not. I, I remember listening to a lot about this on the last podcast on the left, the Skinwalker Ranch series. Yeah. So I didn't listen to that one. It's pretty good. And I'm from very familiar with Skinwalker Ranch. And uh, I don't know if it's the History Channel or the Travel Channel. One of those channels, Smithsonian, I don't remember which one. But they did a big thing on Skinwalker Ranch. Sure. And that was that was cool to watch. I, I watched some of that. Sure. Now, Hulu has, I think it was probably a History Channel thing. I don't know what it was, but Hulu has, like, a new Skinwalker Ranch documentary out there. No, no shit. Because Robert Bigelow, Bigelow, I don't know what the hell his name is, he bought the property, but he sold it a few years ago. And the new people that bought it have a documentary out there. 
<laughs> about Skinwalker Ranch. Nice. The Who documentary. I don't know if I have I showed you the first five minutes of that documentary yet. I don't know. It's fucking hilarious. <laughs> Just trust me. It's the <laughs> maybe I'll watch it because they bring in they bring in a new scientist and it's on Hulu. But they bring in like a new scientist to the scene who has heard about the stories, but it's basically a fresh face. Mm-hmm. And just trust me, the first five minutes are like laugh out loud funny. How ridiculous this nonsense is. That's funny. Now, I think there's some, there's something going on there. Definitely. But the crew that they have together, <laughs> especially one guy in particular. They're all kind of morons. It's like, really? <laughs> really? This, this, is, this is the best team that we could assemble. <laughs> Anyways. But the cattle mutilation, it keeps happening. Like, and there is, there's, there hasn't been, there hasn't been a clear cut explanation. Like the one guy was like, well, the reason why there's no blood is because the blood all pools in the bottom of the body, which happens. Yes, it happens when a body dies. Yeah, but you can't tell me there'd be no shred of blood anywhere. But that explains a very small part of a very big problem. And True. then the surgical precision of the organs being removed, no satanic cult is going to be able to pull that off. Yeah, 100%. Realistically. 100%. And then you get into all the other bullshit. There's just, there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. And that's the other thing, too, that pops up is there's been a lot of recent UFO discussions. Have you heard anything about cattle mutilations recently? Nope. I haven't heard about anything recently in the news. Like, I just, it's just been in my head because I read these books that are 25 years old that talk about it. All of a sudden, that aspect of the discussion has been kind of hush-hushed. Yeah, and uh, crop circles really aren't explained either. We have already talked about that. Did we? We did. Aliens Part 3. Damn it. I, I, <laughs> I kind of got into it a little bit because I, I wasn't going to talk about it. We could, we could do a full episode on crop circles, honestly. So you, you kind of think it could be done, but I don't think, like, as a hoax. Well, I don't, I don't think it could. I don't think it can. The problem is that the crop circles are testing up as radioactive, which is similar to a lot of these... Cattle mutilations are testing as radioactive too. Yeah. Which, what do you do? How do you you explain it? How do you do it? You can't do do anything with that. And I think the answer is that they just don't talk about it. Right. And none of these, like, there was a. There was a Netflix documentary that I talked about, the alien, the classified, yeah. whatever. This wasn't really talked about on that that I remember, at least. The radioactivity of crop circles and catamulations mm-hmm. wasn't really discussed. And the Travis Walton story, when he first saw the craft outside, yep, the trees, didn't those test for radioactive? Yeah, they did. Yeah. They did. That's crazy shit, man. And that, to me, is the best evidence for his whole story. Yeah, 100%. It's crazy. Now, I don't really have a whole lot more to add to this discussion. Me neither. I had Skinwalker <laughs> Ranch written down in my notes. <laughs> there is also another ranch in New Mexico or Arizona, one of the two, called Stardust Ranch, mm. which I used to get the two of them mixed up because I heard about Stardust Ranch on uh, uh, Coast to Coast AM. That's Basically, this guy lives on this ranch, and he claims that he's killed like 30 extraterrestrials. He claims that he's like battling Jesus. aliens like constantly. <laughs> and like they keep trying to like take his wife and he keeps fighting them off. Jesus. Like Ghost Adventures did an episode out there. <laughs> but <laughs> Oh my god. Anyways. That's hilarious. But I get Skinwalker Ranch and Stardust Ranch mixed up. I'll have to look up Stardust Ranch. Basically they're it's the same thing and they're fighting aliens off basically. Anyways, are we about ready to get this episode wrapped up? <laughs> I'm about ready. Listens have been terrible. Uh, I had a couple of bits I was going to do for the end of the episode, but we're not going to get to any of those. <laughs> Anyways, if you have any opinions on aliens, please tweet us at 30 in law. If you have any scary 
alien abductions that you know about. If you've ever been abducted, please let us know. Yes, please let us know. We want to hear your story. We do. This is going to be our worst episode. Episode 50 <laughs> didn't come together too well, but we tried. It might end up being good, just like Bigfoot was. I don't know about that. I don't think this one's coming together too well. <laughs> but please check us out on Twitter. Please check us out on Facebook. We did get one new like today. Nice. But we did lose a like this week, so somebody unliked us. Damn. I don't know who that could have been. Son of a bitch. But whatever. They're missing out. They are missing out. Uh, Please share the show with everybody you know. Please tell everybody about it. Tell all your friends. Tell all your family. Make your kids listen to it. I don't care. <laughs> Let's get the numbers up. Like, physically force them to listen to the show. Yes. If you have, like, a like a clip-on Bluetooth speaker, just play the show. They're going to be like, what is that funny show that you're listening to? Oh, it's 4.30 in the morning. That's, that's the best ex- podcast that, ever. That's exactly how it's going to go. That's what we got to do. So please be part of the movement. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, we got to get out of here. So thank you very much, guys, for listening. Peace. We sound like old men. Dude, I can't wait till we get to episode 90 so I can say TJ Watt. The most overrated player in the history of football. Oh, my God. Here we go. He doesn't see any double teams. Oh, He gets double teamed 15% of his snaps. Dude, he is fantastic. I could get as many sacks as he does. Sure. If I was double teamed on only 15% of my snaps. How about Miles Garrett? He's unblockable. Four and a half snaps. Four and a half sacks. Again, you can't double team TJ Watt when you have everyone else to deal with. Then doesn't that doesn't help him help his cause at all? But it doesn't matter. You're saying that he's the fourth best player on the defensive line. No, he's the best player on the defensive line. Then they would double team him more. But they can't because you have three other guys Obviously that are not. very good. Obviously not. Of course. Obviously not. Cam Hayward gets double teamed all the time. Sure. I mean, T.J. Watt's not really blockable. It's very hard to block. There's only one team that has two players. That were in the top five most double team players in 2020. Only one team has two players that were in the top five most double team players in the NFL last year. Obviously, Aaron Donald was the most double team player last year. Jadavion Clowney and Miles Garrett were both in the top five last year. Cool. Now you're adding Malik McDowell, who makes every interior lineman outside of Aaron Donald look like a child. You have to double team him a lot, too. And who's two and one and who's one and two? Obviously the better team is two and one. Obviously. I never said I'm not, I, I never said any of that. This is all getting cut. Yeah. Do we need to restart? I'm sorry, dude. Uh, I just hate the TJ Watt hype. Do you need more water? No, it's good. We're not going to restart. We're just going to get going. Sorry. It was, <laughs> it's all getting cut. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean. I'm sorry, dude. This, <laughs> no, this is a disaster. Good. We might you're need to good. re-record. <laughs> we, oh, boy. Uh, is Sunday good? It's almost 6.30. <laughs> Following this intense examination, one of the strange creepers shook. Cot. <laughs> strange creepers. <laughs>